Welcome to Into the Breach, where we discuss what it takes to be fully alive. Yeah, so um, last time um, we talked um, specifically a lot about the three questions that we asked you to think about, you know, the who are we, why are we here, and where are we going, and how they uh, relate specifically to us. And um, a large portion of our discussion was based upon the fact that um, each of these build on each other like steps. And unless our identity is rooted in our creator, um, what we're building, the structure structure of our lives is going to be um, unstable, and it's not going to be able to be sustained. Um, however, if we do find our identity in our Creator, it it uh, creates a life that is completely permeated by Him, um, and it affects all the ways that we that we live. It affects the way we interact with others. It affects the way we spend our free time. It affects the way we spend our money. It affects the way we uh, conduct ourselves around our families. It affects the way uh, that we approach our careers, but there's also a, a, an even deeper identity of, um, of ourselves that God wants to reveal to us. And so the question we need to ask ourselves is, how do we come to that revelation as humans? How do we come to that understanding of that deeper identity that God wants to reveal to us? Yeah, and I think it makes sense that a revelation would be there. I mean, you know, People doubt revelation. They may accept um, that God created the world and we can know things about him from looking at the world, but they may have doubts about, was there a further revelation I couldn't know from just looking at the world? Why would God do that? Why would he hide himself in that way that seems like he doesn't want me to know? Um, but I, th- I, I think uh, we were just talking about, you know, different examples of, of what a revelation could look like and just thinking about, like, you know, maybe you know the facts about how your parents met or something, right? Um, and you could find them out on your own. You could look and be like, my dad said they met, um, you know, at college or something. You could look and be like, oh, they both went to this college. Like, you verify, you know, that happened. <laughs> but maybe, you know, you can't, you know, you couldn't find out from your, without being told by your dad or mom, like, the moment that they uh, really started to fall for the other person. Like, oh, it was at this, like, date that, Things this change. reason, yeah. Yeah, or like, mm-hmm. you know, here's why I started to plan the proposal in this way. Like, facts that, like, leave you wanting more, you know, that uh, that they want to share more with you because of, of love. And that's what God wants to do for us. He wants uh, to share the fullness of himself, and, and that's why he gives revelation just even further than, than what he shows in creation. He wants to reveal himself so much that he, he even gives us his son, right? Um a son tells us something about uh, about his father. Like I, I have a daughter, and uh, I think if you if you watched how my daughter and I interact, you would learn things about me and about her that you wouldn't know otherwise. You know who I try and be as a man, um, how much I, I love her because I'm not just um, this lone person. I'm I'm a person with these relationships, including my relationship with my daughter, and so that would. That would tell you more about myself than you may know just factually knowing, oh, Mitchum has a daughter. Yeah. I think it's also cool, too, um, <clears throat> if I can just jump off that real quick. Um, yeah. You talked a little bit about the interactions that people will see between you and your daughter and how that will kind of um, reveal to them more. I think it's also, I like what you said about how a son can reveal uh, things about his father. And I think, I was just th- sitting here thinking about that for me, like, um, 
being like <clears throat> being the son of my father, obviously he's not here. So I think that's still true. Like even though you, people don't see the reactions, they see through me um, the way he tried to live and 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 the qualities and the faith that he held uh, dear to him that were passed on to me. And so I think that correlates too into that is how we are revealed through one another. Yeah, and even on a on a divine level, you know, you're using a very you know, an awesome example here on earth, but with with Christ and, and you know, Jesus being fulfilled, you know, the fullness of God's revelation to man, that's exactly what Jesus wanted to do was was to to share with humanity all of the things that were important to his his father. This is exactly what, you know, this is exactly a, these things are important to, to my creator. And then that's, that's exactly what we're trying, you know, when we're focusing on purpose, that was the fullness of, of God's revelation. Yeah, it's interesting you said this, that uh, the oneness of like seeing the son is the same as seeing the father. Even Jesus says that, you know, in, in your own life, that seeing you is like seeing your father that much in common, that much shared between you two. That's a really, really good point. And, but and I guess we kind of have to say, well, why, you know, why does earth need the fullness of revelation through a son? Why not just the father, right? Um, and we see, uh, we see in revelation, uh, we see this start through Adam. We see sin enter the world, this division against the father. The father created out of love, and then uh, the world rebels. And even if you don't necessarily, you know, even if you don't buy, uh, a, you know, specific sin per se, you can look at the world and see there's disorder, like there's bad behavior among people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I we would take that as evidence. That yes, there was a fall, you know, because it's not the way it should be. So it seems like there was a straying away from how it was, you know. Um, but re- objectively, there's this disorder, and then we see that reconciled in the son, who actually does act towards the Father the way it should be done, right? Right. Um, and that's, this is the fullness of revelation. God fully revealed himself. He takes all that time, you know, this, this fall happens, and then he slowly walks with humanity through these different covenants, these different relationships, um, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, etc. And he, he reveals a little bit more the same way you would, you know, with a child as they grow and, and hold them to a higher standard. You, you make higher demands on them as they get older and older. And then eventually um, anything is on the table to lead them to the truth, right? And this is what happens to humanity. We finally get this fullness of revelation, which is the son who fully reveals the father. Yeah, this is, a, this is the top of the mountain moment. You know, this yeah. is what I, I really, I like the way you walk through the Old Testament in a way. You know, it started with the, with the fall. And that really, uh, that really reminds me of a quote that I, uh, I was reading through. With uh, ooh, what would it be, Venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen, and uh, he was he was reflecting and, and meditating on the, the the great fall of Adam and Eve, and he focused on three of the the main instruments: Adam, Eve, and the tree. But the important thing that that he noted was that Adam was an, a finite being, something that that has a beginning that has an end. But he, he, didn't, he did an infinite sin against God, meaning that the sin against God was infinite, that there's nothing man could ever do, nothing a human being could ever do 
that could erase this sin, that could ever turn this sin back. So, uh, basically what, what Archbishop Fulton Sheen was saying is, in order to restore this, this fall, God had to reveal his son, had to send something that was infinite, right? God being full, Jesus being fully divine, but also by the same exact instrument, him being uh, man. So here's the, the quote from, from uh, Venerable Sheen. It says, it takes a divine an infinite being to use the very instruments of defeat as the instruments of victory. The fall became, I'm sorry, the fall came through three realities. First, a disobedient man, Adam. Second, a proud woman, Eve. Third, a tree. The reconciliation and redemption of man uh, came through these three. So for the disobedient Adam was the new Adam, the obedient, uh, the obedient man of the human race, Jesus Christ. For the proud Eve, there was the humble Mary. And for the tree, there was the cross. And I think that, the, you know, this, this is a really interesting quote because, you know, right now what we've been talking about, it's, it's, kind, of, uh, it's kind of broad, you know. Okay, Jesus, or God revealing Jesus to the, the whole entire humanity. You might be thinking, you know, okay, well, how does this actually affect me? How does this revelation affect my life, my purpose? And, uh, but if we look at the cross, Mitchum, I think that the cross really points us to something big. Yeah, I think so. So it's, you know, a natural consequence. Um, some groups would use the language of more like uh, a punishment, a punishment like that God just chose to assign was, was Christ's death. I think as Catholics, we would more say this is a natural consequence, like sin, this, this division against God. You can't live if you don't have the source of life united you, and it will naturally cause you to die, right? Well, then Christ, who, you know, uh, was not sinful, he takes on the consequence that we would have, right, of dying. Um, but he does it after living this perfect life, this life that Adam did not live, you know, did not live perfectly. He, he then uh, lives it. He dies, and this is this huge uh, reconciling moment of God, God and man, back to God, right? Like you said, the infinite transgression. Um, it's huge. It's the fullness. Um, and, but then the question is, how do we respond to that? You know, how do we even participate in that? Is it merely... Um, I believe factually that this happened. Like, I believe God did this. If I just think that God did this as a thought and, and assume that as fact, I'm, this has changed me, I'm saved, you know? Mm -hmm. it, it seems that Scripture says, and even what has been passed down through the centuries says more than that, not just, you know, believe this fact that God died on a cross and you'll be saved. Christ even says, um, you know, unless one is born of water and spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of heaven. And he has this conversation about, you know, the guy's like, Nicodemus is like, are you telling me to go back in my mother's womb and be born again? He's like, no, that, you can't do that. <laughs> that <laughs> not is, what do I not meant. try that. It does not work. Uh, but from the earliest times, this mean, this is understood as bat baptism, right, with water. In our baptism, we die uh, in participation of Christ's death, right? We're with him. We're with right. him in his death. Um, and, but then we rise with him, right? 
um, which is this uh, part of the end goal, that, that rising, that once we die earthly death one day, uh, we will hopefully live forever. And, uh, and this baptism then opens us up to these other participations in God's life, such as the Eucharist. Right. And so, like we were talking about earlier with um, <clears throat> the Eucharist, we could even tie the Eucharist back into um, Gabe's uh, point and quote there from... Uh, Fulton Sheen's quote. Fulton Sheen's quote. I'm sorry. <laughs> Gabe's, I, I didn't quote Gabe it. tried to steal the, the cred for it, but... Gabe, it's not Gabe's, <laughs> Gabe's quote um, that he read. That I from, read. From it kind of sounds like you're trying to one-up. <laughs> no, no. Was there something missing? <laughs> no. But... Um, <laughs> We talked, you know, you talked about the the wood, the the uh, the tree the diso- and the cross. Yeah. yeah, the tree, the cross, the disobedient man, the proud woman. Um, mm-hmm. And we, you know, we were talking earlier about how you could even tie in the fruit from that tree um, as being the downfall. It was, you know, they ate it and it became the downfall of men. And you tie that back into the Eucharist is now um, the Eucharist as the body of Christ, you know, like the living body of Christ that mm-hmm. um, is what is the food for our journey from. Uh, the world that we live in now to the world where we're going um, from our journey from the seen world to the unseen world. And the Eucharist, instead of um, killing off our, um, our connection with God and, 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 and um, um, I don't know. Uh, dividing us from God. Yeah. Separating I'm, us I'm, from I'm God. I'm fishing for a word here. I can't think of it. But <laughs> the Eucharist does the exact opposite. The fruit cut Adam and Eve off completely from God. Um, they were thrown out of the garden. They turned their backs. The Eucharist is is the complete opposite. It, it ties us. It ties us to God. It it is like the us being able to participate in the death of His Son. Mm-hmm. You could almost say, you know, the new fruit. You know, I don't. You know, I don't know if that's correct terminology, but it, you know, with respect to what we're trying to. The point we're trying to drive home is the new fruit. And uh, so the Eucharist is, is something that we can, you know, so, so the cross and baptism kind of go hand in hand with, right. you know, with, with baptism, we enter into the death of Christ. And, and that's, our, that's the intimate, intimacy of Christ through our baptism. But also as we receive the Eucharist every single day, you know, if we go to daily mass or every single week, if we, you know, we go to Sunday mass, we, God reveals himself to us through the Eucharist and this gives us an abundant source of grace and mercy. You know, I once heard that that when we go and we receive the Eucharist, and and as you know, the uh, the host is placed on our tongue, it's almost like we're kneeling before the, Jesus Christ crucified on the cross. And as you know, they put the they uh, they pierced his side, and out poured you know the the water and the blood. It's like we're kneeling there in that that love, that grace, and that divine mercy is just falling on us. And so this is like the food that we need that helps us to, when we, you know, when we ask this question three, where are you going? This food is kind of what helps us answer that question of, or it gets us to that destination that we want to answer that question. Like, so we're going, right? We want to get back to our creator. We want to get back to God. Well, he's, he's given us this revelation of himself through the Eucharist, and this is going to help us to attain that destination. Right, because we're, you know, we... The world is still a sinful place, and we're tempted to sever that relationship. And mm-hmm. and by constantly going back to Him, we unite ourselves in, ourselves in whether prayer, Eucharist, sacrament of confession, um, 
it keeps us united because we need to be united here to be fully united forever one day in heaven. It's interesting. I was thinking too, while you were talking um, about, um, you know, the fullness, the, the full revelations already happened in Christ, but all of us are imperfectly receiving it. You know what I mean? Until one day in heaven where we perfectly see everything as it is, see God as he is. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And so every time we receive the Eucharist or pray, uh, we are more perfectly receiving that revelation that's already happened. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm, I'm learning more got, about God who's already revealed himself. Um, I'm learning more about him. It's like it's a, it's a further revelation individually, like in our own person, right? So like Jesus Christ was, the, was God's full revelation to the world, but through the Eucharist, through the sacraments, uh, you know, confession, uh, through prayer, through all of these different things, activities that we can do on earth, it's a, it's a further revelation of Christ to ourselves that affects our purpose. Like it, it, it brings us closer to Him. And as we you know continue on the purpose part of you know whenever we continue to do these things, really our purpose is to know, love, and to serve, to serve God. But you know we can only do that again. Like you start off by saying, John, we can only do that when we know our Creator, where mm-hmm. we came from. You know, and it's like how you said. Um, you might have said this um, earlier before we were recording, but. Um, our purpose really, it, it boils down to, um, you know, instead of the mindset that I have this career and I have this family and I have this life that I sprinkle faith on top of, you know, I have this, I have this real concrete faith and everything else that I do is because of that faith and is tied into that faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The faith is what's moving. The right. faith is, is kind of like the wheels on the car. It's kind of, it's what's driving. Right. Right, it's, engine, it's, I guess it's when say. it goes from, <laughs> yeah. I think it's when it, it goes from a kind of an abstract idea um, that we have like in our minds and becomes a, a real concrete thing that um, we enter into um, fully and, and, and we understand it and we know uh, the importance of it and we center that around our lives. Um, my dad always used to say that the unseen world is more real um, than the seen world in ways that we can't even comprehend because of our our human imperfections, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, really, when you think about that, to turn um, to turn your back on that unseen world, to not really pay attention to it, is almost to shut out reality, in a sense. Yeah, yeah. If you're working so much on you know figuring out the financial issues, or you know, if your company or the world, you know, is just an example to the point that you're making bad spiritual decisions, it doesn't make any sense because one of these things is going to last forever. One is the end goal. Right. Another one is a participation in that end goal rather than like trying to set up some utopia here. And you're, right. like you said, and like your dad said, uh, you're not seeing reality as it actually is. And, you're, and you're we prioritizing see, the scene over the... Yeah, scene. we see this so much. Like this is... Your example is not some... Uh, some made up thing that you know. I think I don't know. I when you said that, I had a unfortunately had a few people pop into my head. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's they're so focused on things that don't matter. Like they really they don't matter. Uh, at the end of the day, your job will end, your life will end. However, the thing that won't end, we believe, you know, being. Being our, our relationship with God that cannot, you know, can't be taken away from us. At the end of the, at the end of the time, when when Christ comes and, and asks us, you know, did you love me? 
did I know you? Did you know me? That's in a way by our purpose on earth, we can answer yes or no. You know, I think it's just perplexes me why some, like, why do we even think that is? Why is it so, why do we see it so much that people kind of excuse the what's the come question and become so focused on right now, even though when what they're doing right now doesn't even lead them? It's a big question. Thought. Might not even be an answerable question. Mm-hmm. It really, I mean, I have, I have no idea. I think it's a question that, um, even if it doesn't have an answer or it can't really be answered, I think it's a question that um, needs to be thought about, especially for you know us personally. I think it's a question that gives you pause in your own personal life to kind of focus yourself on, okay, what am I doing? Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, why? What 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 am I what am I really putting my efforts towards? You know, I think, I think part of. Why people do that? Why we all struggle with that—that that tendency to focus more here, um, beyond the fact that you know a lot of the things we can't see—they're they're invisible things. Um, whereas the world around us, we can we can see. Um, is this desire we we see the flaws in the world, regardless of worldview? I mean, yeah, people see the fallenness, the evil, the bad. Uh, action among people um, in the world, and either you think, well, we can solve this here. You know, somebody at some time is going to solve this here on Earth. We're going to figure out the utopia. We're going to get it done. Or you think, I can, uh, I can live in a way to start build uh, in that civilization among people here, but it's going to be, it's not going to happen until yeah. heaven when everything's perfected and revealed, you know, and I, and I really think those are the two options on the table. I mean, that's often how, you know, politics happens. Mm -hmm. It's often how, um, all kinds of different industries happen. You know, we think we can build the kingdom here Mm -hmm. or we don't. And I, I guess the, the third option would be obvious (laughs) one that we already, we already mentioned that they just don't know their career. Like their identity is a little bit disordered. And I think that's the obvious one we've been already hitting at is that, you know, chances are that kind of the reasons that it's so, their their mindset's so focused on, on their job or so focused on doing this and that and has nothing to do with God at points is because, well, they don't know their creator. And then obviously their third question of where you're going, it's either going to matter or it's not going to matter, you know? So. Yeah. Because when you don't know your creator, um, and that's not where your identity is found, then those earthly things, you know, your career, your job, school, um, those are your end goal, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you end up being the creator of yourself. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Nobody else created you, and you're just kind of left to figure out who you are, what you're going to be. you got to make it – got to make it yourself. And then we don't have control over making a heaven, you know we're going to die. And mm-hmm. However we're set up, we're either going to continue or we're not. We're not going to have control over that. So if you don't have a creator, you're going to have to make that that uh, world here instead. Question one is important. It's it's the building block. It's You can't have questions two or three without one. And if you answer one incorrectly, like we said, your whole structure is unstable and can't be sustained. 
It's like a math problem. <laughs> if your X is <laughs> off, the rest of it's off. If your X is off, your Y is off. That's right. Your y, and that your your Y. Why, why, yeah, why are you here? <laughs> wow. Wow, that's my first math joke I probably ever made. Yeah, please sign them up for the math leap. I'm done. Make sure it's your last. So, we hope that uh, these first two episodes uh, kind of prompt in you these questions that we think everybody needs to ask at some point. Right? Uh, you need to know where you came from. You need to know where you're going. You need to know how to get there. And uh, we really think that knowing your identity, this identity in the Father, this um, identity of seeing the Father through the Son, and that that changes everything. That changes everything you do on a daily basis. That changes the destination of heaven. We hope that if you have not asked these questions, that you that you ask them. Do you do you say are these reasonable questions? Is there logic to this idea? That, is there logic to interpreting Revelation this way, whether or not Revelation is legitimate or not. Um, we hope you ask those questions and that some solid answers have been provided in these first two episodes and that if you already have said yes to these questions, that you say yes to them again and again each day and, and try and live it out over and over again each day on your way to heaven. <laughs>